scared and you want to go home, I'll take you home soon. Sister, I gotta be upstairs for a while. Something's come up. What? Never mind what. Someone's coming. I'll scream. If someone's upstairs, they'll hear me. With the door shut, no one can hear anything down here. I soundproofed it myself. So shout if you like, you won't bother anyone. If you try to touch me, I'll scratch your face. And whoever's coming will see and ask why. This face? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for horrors. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And welcome to the show. Indeed. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> Happy How Saturday. Are you today? Yeah, I'm fine. And I'm yourself? <laughs> yeah. I'm I know. fine. I am kind of kind of kind of froze mid moment. I was like, "Well, what am I going to say after this?" <laughs> like, I'm like, "All right." It's almost like we've done a hundred of these, and we should kind of just know that. All mm. I don't know. It's very strange. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, "How how am I going to?" It's it's when I want to switch it up is when I fuck myself over. So, what's your beverage? Oh, some green tea from uh, Costco's. Mm-hmm. All right. I just saw the labels. I got that. I didn't recognize that at all. Mine's a great value <laughs> cream soda. You know what I'd kill for right now? A fucking Shasta raspberry cream soda. Mm, I, say that. I haven't had one of those in a while. I usually, I always forget to take change with me. Anytime we go grocery shopping at Winco, they have them in yeah. the machine. And, well, it's yeah, all... and that's the only place that you can really buy them too. Yeah. And I'm like, never go there. And I'm like, I'm going to reward myself for grocery shopping with a <laughs> raspberry crems. <laughs> but mm. then I always forget, so I end up just buying a 12-pack, and I, oh, they're so good. They are good. Anyway. Anyway. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, hope you're staying cool. Uh, today has been the first day that it has been, it's 68 degrees outside, and right. I could not be happier Right. This Give weekend's it. supposed to cool off quite a bit, which is nice. And then it's going to rocket back up for some stupid reason. Yeah. Cause I mean, yesterday but, was like 95 degrees and I'm like, what? I was out of town. So it was actually kind of nice out. Yeah. How did it go? How was your first trip out of town post mid post ish COVID? I mean, it's never going to be post, but no, it was nice. It was just nice to see trees, to see. <laughs> something that's not uh like the grocery store and work yeah i that I had to do wonders for your for your mentals it helped yeah god i'm looking at next week's temperatures and i'm just not cheerful at all <laughs> yeah well and that's but the it's thing. gonna get back into the 80s i hope that this changes yeah. <laughs> well i hope so too because that's supposed to be 78 yeah that's the high yeah. for today it's supposed to be 79 that's and then nice. tomorrow's 83, 90, 97, 97. Then we go back down. So maybe Hopefully one. This is the last spike. I hope so. But I've been saying that for three weeks. So. <laughs> well, the thing was, is it almost seemed like the heat really kicked in late, opposed mm-hmm. to how it normally does. But enough of the heat. You're not here to listen to us bitch about the weather. And if you are, you're the real ones. And we appreciate that about you. Mm-hmm. But we are here today to talk about the um, Scott Derrickson 
directed the black phone based on the short story by joe hill stephen king's son and you can tell (laughs) yeah one of the things i like joe hill's stuff like we've been watching lock and key on netflix and it's a good show if you haven't watched it give it a watch it's over nosferatu was good i like that show yeah but this one i watched and i was like wow this is stephen king like this is so (laughs) stephen king it's almost gross it's nice to know that the legacy will live on yeah well it makes me wonder like i don't want to get too like you know shame on him but i know that stephen king has struggled with alcoholism drug abuse stuff like that like jack torrance is more or less him Mm. dealing with his recovery like that's no you know we talked about on uh, my favorite movie maximum overdrive his uh use of cocaine whilst directing and you can tell because it's terrible um Mm -hmm. but it it does make me wonder just how bad it got when he was using yeah it had to be there was a something that i had seen um while i was um looking up notes and all that kind of stuff and it had said something along the lines about how this movie was autobiographical to an extent So, like, I really wish I could find it, but um, yeah, dude, there's a lot of realism. Yeah, lot, there's th- some th- brutal shit in this. I was like, wow, because the beginning, I was like, the writing's kind of hokey, the acting's kind of hokey. I was starting to get kind of let down, and then it picked up and got just a million times better. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff with the dad that is just like tough to watch. Yeah, so this is um like as I said, this is from the Black Phone Stories, is what the name of the book is, but which I'm actually holding in my hand looking at right now. I'd read like the first couple parts of it. Um, I wanted to have this entire 20 pages read, but that did not happen. Couldn't commit. But see, the thing is, is there's 15 uh stories in this book. You got Best New Horror, 20th Century Ghost, Pop Art, You Will Hear the Lotus Sing. Abraham's Boys, Better Than Home, The Black Phone, In the Rundown, The Cape, Last Breath, Deadwood, The Widow's Breakfast, Bobby Conroy Comes Back from the Dead, My Father's Mask, and Voluntary Committal. And they're all about 20-ish pages each. But if you think of how well this 20 pages was turned into that, could you imagine how many more potential gems are in this book that could be turned into movies? Like, what the fuck? That'd be cool. But yeah, no, so the, watching this, man, because it's really, it was really kind of difficult too, because like you watch the dad mm-hmm. and you know he's like, this guy did such a good job of just nailing that line of like alcoholic. I am taking it out of my kids. I look, I'm acting incredibly remorseful while it's happening, but he just can't stop himself. Mm-hmm. from you know going being a piece of shit yeah but like and see that's the thing is like i'm not condoning this at all but he really like it was weird it's almost like he was torn the entire time even though there's no yeah. way to you know what i mean like it's he did I, such had a, a, I had a hard time at the end when he was asking for forgiveness from his kids spoilers if you haven't watched this movie yet get the hell out of here because there's it's all spoilers all yeah you watch it. it's on peacock i believe yeah. still so yeah that's where i watched it uh, two days ago yeah um and when he was asking for forgiveness when they're in the back of the ambulance it was like i don't think so no no <laughs> the 
bit too much of a piece of shit. Sorry. I'm sure something happened. Mm-hmm. He's very sad about either his wife dying. Yeah, his wife died. I assume killed yeah. herself, I think, is what the whole thing was. Yeah. Like, I get it. But when he was hitting the girl in the kitchen, I was like, yeah, you just lost me for good. I'm not going <laughs> to forgive you no matter no, what. No redemption arc for you? <laughs> no. Hard pass. Hard but I did really like this. Thing. I've been so, um, yeah. I don't know my my situation's a little bit differently. Like I like growing up with my stepdad, it was really rough in the beginning, and mm. not this rough. But my parents did drink. Um, my dad was never big with the belt, but he did like paddles, <laughs> and so like you know, I. I've lived that redemption with my dad. You know what I mean? Like, and like, so granted, as I said, not as severe as how it's portrayed in this movie, but I kind of, I don't know, seeing that similarity, I kind of, uh, come from a different point of view on that, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is so intense before. So before we get into the production notes, um, I, as I said, I I started to read the stories for, Mm -hmm. uh, this episode, and the first thing that caught me off guard was reading it because I guess the guy's name is Al in the book. And his um, depiction is um, grotesquely fat, is what they say. We're talking just like a big blobber, I basically. Think you told me about that. Yeah. So in, um, in, the, in the book, in the short story, he's called the Galesburg Grabber. Um, he's a plus size guy named Al who drops his groceries in the street, which is kind of the same thing of how they get it mm-hmm. um but yeah dude he where is that so i'm my source i didn't get the notes myself from this but um ronaldo Matadine did write this article back in june on uh, cbr.com I'll, I'll make sure to post the link if you want to read it yourself but yeah it was saying uh the film or uh, this lured finney in after the groceries were dropped um to be sprayed and thrown in the back of the van. The the encounter is a lot more violent compared to the movie, so it's a lot worse than the book. Um, Finney was duped by the unnamed slimmer Ethan Hawke, who faked being a magician, but uh, Finney was the uh, sixth victim Finney in the the movie where uh, the short story had Finney as the fifth. Lastly, the grabber had a big dog in the movie. He used to intimidate him when he took him down to the cellar. Um, So Bruce Yamada, the rival baseball player, was different in the the, uh, movie. So in the book, he was taken after leaving an arcade, um, only to end up calling Finney from the basement. Bruce was the only ghost to contact him in the book, urging him to use the receiver as the phone, which is what Robin does in the movie. Um, And so... Other boys called to help Finney in the black or in the film, which didn't happen in the book. Oh. Um, they uh, so Robin was created for the film to help Finney uh, fight back against bullies at school. On that the other hand, that, yeah, I can't wait to get through this and actually start talking about all that because yeah, like uh, Robin was probably my favorite character in the whole in the whole movie. Um, Finney, on the other hand, tutored Robin. Um, give. It gave Finney extra emotional connection at the end with Robin training him in shadow boxing. This yeah, allowed Finney to, awesome. yeah, to strangle the grabber when he fell into the hole. Spoilers, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
Finney's di- uh, family dynamic is richer in the film. So it doesn't. So the short hinted that Finney's sister was good at guessing things like cards and she didn't have a psychic link to the victims. The film altered this, changing her from the older Susanna to the younger Gwen with otherworldly powers, eventually leading them uh, to where the layer is layer is the grabber. Um, so the, the uh, short story also had their mom leaving their dad due to being frustrated with the marriage while she, uh, while the movie had her taking her life due to being psychic. It's why their dad became a drunk abuser in this case. See, and uh, that was the stuff like there's so much of this that was just like cardboard cut out Stephen King. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's the psychic girl with powers. You know, it's very shining. It's also very, Stand by me with the horrible bullies. It's also kind of... <laughs> it's just I'm a hodgepodge to... of all of uh, Stephen King's highlights. Yeah, And that's what, like, that's kind of a detractor, because I was like, God, I've seen this so many times, but it does work incredibly well. By yeah, the they... end of it, I was like, I really enjoyed this and will recommend it to people and yeah. want to watch it again. Yeah, and Ethan Hawke is the main thing. Like, Dude, he's he is so good. Fantastic. He just nailed it. I mean, he was great in Moon Knight as the villain. Right. But in this, he really gets to be the bad guy. Like, yeah. hardcore. And he's so good at creepy. Oh, yeah. I was I was floored by how how creepy he was in this movie. The, the couple times when he's just sitting in the basement when Finney wakes up and it's just like, oh, I was just watching you. Yeah. I was like, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So there's yeah. only a couple more of these left. So the the game Naughty Boy does not exist in the short story. Um, the short suggested that the grabber starve the kids as a merciful way of killing them. He felt it was less com- a cumbersome method. However, the film had him feeding Finney and giving him soda. The villain's way of murder was actually Naughty Boy, a game where he leave the baseboard door open so he could feel justified in in killing the kids if they left. That was um, really good. Yeah. You know, in the worst possible way, that was a really cool idea. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so the grab the grabber's brother Max definitely he gets more airtime in the movie than he does in the book. Um so in the short story, Al's unnamed brother comes down and finds Finney only for Al to smash him in the ac- in the head with an axe. He then focused on killing Finney only for the boy to murder him with the receiver. Uh, the film gave the brother a name, uh, offered more screen time. Max was actually a sleuth trying to solve the kidnappings, only to stumble on the, on the suspicious basements where Finney was at. Um, here, the grabber also seemed more repentant over the killing his kin with the axe. Um, it looks like they gave him more um, weapons and other things to use in the movie than there was in the book. The book just sounds like the story is just bleak. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it doesn't sound like. Well, like, and that's not a bad thing, but I will say the, and I know it's only like 20 pages, so it's not hard to do, but the movie, this is one of those cases where it's like the movie seems like it took the best parts of the story and just made them all better. Yeah, I agree. Um, so in the short, Finney didn't have anything apart for some, some pebbles that he found on the ground, which he didn't use. The movie left him with the rocket ship screw, uh, used as a screwdriver, as well as the other items the ghosts had told him about. Uh, these yeah, enabled that him- part surprised me. I was like, wouldn't he frisk the kid just as yeah. a creeper anyway? And Especially have taken since that from he him? fucking carved up his arm with it. I yeah, he'd go, oh, and you had that thing. And like, he should have thrown it out the van. Yeah, I would have. That um, was one of my only little actual qualms where I was like, that's not a thing that would have happened. He wouldn't re- still have that thing. <laughs> no, that would have been gone. Yeah. 
Um, these enable him to plot various unsuccessful methods of escape and reconcile all the ghost's data to set the traps. In addition, he was able to use Griffin's code for the lock to slip out during the escape uh, during oh, and escape during Naughty Boy, only for the grabber to recapture him in the street. Oh, Which, fair. yeah. And the last one here, uh, so it says the ending of the film is more fleshed out. Um, so the short story ended with Finney giving the grabber his phone to listen to it after it rang, suggesting Bruce wanted to taunt him before he died. The movie, though, clarified this, having all the boys make fun of the grabber before Finney killed him. In addition, the film added Finney running out only to find Gwen and the cops outside. And I'm uh, yeah, spoiler alert: the gra- the grabber had two houses. Um, mm. One for that was a nice touch. I yeah. was like, why did I get that the ghost would track her to where they were? Yeah. But then I was like, God, so what's going to happen? Like, is he just going to? I'm getting goosies you know, thinking about that part know. too, because it's like. And it uh, was a nice touch because it's like, oh, the heroes are here to save the day and they're going to find them at the last second. And I figured the cops were going to shoot him down. And I was like, oh, that's great. They're giving him the chance to stand up to the bully, mm-hmm. which has been was teed up, you know, from the beginning. From the very beginning. Yeah, agreed. And so, yeah, it. the more I think about it, the more I really like this movie. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like, watching this feels like a much faster pace, like, because like The Shining is one of those movies I could just always watch, yeah. But this is um, kind of creeping up there for like that because it, it does give me Shining vibes during some of the stuff, and we'll talk about it during yeah. like the notes esque. Not yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's a ghost story. I think it's a ghost story. It's you know 1974. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a drunk <clears throat> and there's a crazy guy and an axe. He likes their they like their axes. <laughs> they do. Um, do, 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 do. so Finn, uh, so I guess, and Finney's dad also, um, also finally embraced his kids, helping Finney be more reassured at school with his crush. This delivered closure, unlike Hill's abrupt ending. So that is the, the, the differences between the book and the movie, which there's quite a bit, but like we said, it's 20 pages. Yeah. It's to be expected. Compared to an hour and a half movie, which is, you know, at least a hundred plus pages in script form. Oh, for sure. So I'm uh, we're, I'm not going to do as much um, of the product. Like, so I'll do some of the productions, like a lot of that talked about a lot of the things that they'll probably be in the notes. So I'll just skip on some of those and uh, only touch on things that we haven't really talked about yet. So the black phone 2021 coming of age, supernatural horror film directed by Scott Derrickson and written by Derrickson. Dr. Strange. Mm hmm. Um, and C. Robert Cargill, who uh, who both produced with Jason Bloom. It is an adaptation. Yeah, I'm surprised to see this. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, no, but I didn't realize this was a Bloom house. It mm-hmm. shouldn't have surprised me because every horror movie out there that has any merit is the Bloom house now. But <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, that's, that's okay. Nice. Gave me a little boost of confidence. <laughs> um, it's an adaptation of the 2004 short story by the same name by Joe Hill. The film stars Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Jeremy Davies, um, who, God, I, he's a piece of shit, but I can't get over how good he acted in this movie. Um, I was I was in the living room when my watch was, wife was watching Lost, and I'm just like, it's such a departure from anything that you've ever seen him in or that I've ever seen him in to mm-hmm. just be that drunken dad. I, I'm still just kind of, I mean, With we could pr- yeah, with a fucking <laughs> glorious mullet. I mean, we can praise Ethan Hawke all day because he's brilliant, but mm-hmm. I don't want to understate how 
much I appreciated his performance as negative as it may have been. Mm. Well, um, I mean, that's a, it's like the we I think we've talked about this before. It's like the kid that played Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> he's a great actor because he made you fucking hate that kid. Yeah, and or when Cersei. He died. You know, yeah, and, like people yeah, Laura Hetty. I mean, yeah. That she says that she still gets called bitch in the street and stuff like that. Yeah. Like people are just, they hate her. Yeah. And, and that means you did a good job. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's man, unfortunate. I could, <laughs> it is. I could talk game of Thrones. Don't even get me started. You watch house of house of dragon yet? No, I'm kind of torn. I think I'll give it a chance. But... You should, you should, yeah. you should. Uh, I enjoyed the first episode. I was really leery at first, dude, Matt, uh, Matt Smith. Um, is really good as the character he plays in this a lot lately yeah he is a (laughs) douchebag and he does it very well (laughs) he does it i could see that i never watched doctor who or any of the other stuff like that so this is like my first real glimpse of him like his acting and all that kind of stuff and he he definitely nails like if you think of like what uh, daenerys's brother was like in the uh, first season of game of thrones it's Mm -hmm. like that but less upfront cocky you know what i mean it's a much more subtle oh yeah um yeah 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 james ranson and ethan hawk in the film an adopted an abducted teenager uses a mysterious telephone to communicate with the previous victims of his captor so derrickson's departure from direct uh, directing dr strange in the multiverse of madness led him to black phone a project he and cargill had already planned on making Filming took about two months in Wilmington and surrounding counties in the state of North Carolina. The film premiered at Fantastic Fest on September 25th, two days ago. No, this is August. Never mind. Uh, almost a year ago, though. September 25th, 2021, and was theatrically released by Universal Pictures on June 24, 2022. It has grossed over $156 million and received generally positive reviews from critics for its performances and faithfulness to the source material. Um, so we have Mason Thames as Finney, uh, Madeline McGraw as Gwen, Ethan Hawke as the Grabber, Jeremy Davis Davies as Terrence, the douche dad, um, E. Roger Mitchell as Detective Wright, Tony Rudseal as Detective Miller, James Seal, yeah, Rudseal <laughs> as Detective Miller, J- James Ransone as Max, and Miguel. Cazares Mora as Robin, which is funny. Like, and so there's other a bunch of other characters too. But um, so Derrickson, a uh, frequent collaborator, C. Robert Cargill, decided to adapt Joe Hill's story, The Black Phone, into a feature film while the former was working on Doctor uh, the Doctor Strange sequel, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Cargill promised to propose. Uh, promised to postpone the project until Derrickson, who had committed to Marvel Studios, became available to direct. In in January of 2020, Derrickson came on board to helm the Black Phone soon soon after departing from Doctor Strange's sequel due to creative differences. You being a gigantic Marvel nerd... um, Mm -hmm. Go listen to our uh, review of Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness on We Are Marvel, wherever you listen to podcasts. You like that. Do you are you privy to what those creative differences were, or was it just something uh, to get off the movie? No, I I don't know all the deets. I know for a long time, Derrickson, even in the first movie, wanted to use the villain uh, Nightmare, which okay. is as the name would suggest, he rules over the nightmare dimension, Oof. and it's you know a lot of stuff. 
it's something I hope they get to, but I don't know if they will. And I think Marvel wanted to do the multiverse stuff because that's what where they're going is. Yep. And I I would imagine Derrickson was like, well, I would rather do this. I don't really have a vision for what the multiverse thing would be. Mm-hmm. So they just went, oh, part ways. If we can come back later, we'll come back later. Which makes sense. I think that's it's really for the best. As much as I love what Derrickson did, mm-hmm. I like the idea of different horror directors helming each installment of Doctor Strange. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I do. And honestly, I mean, you've already done that movie on mm-hmm. We Are Marvel. Um, I remember when that movie was coming out and I suggested that we do like a, a three-way episode collaboration. Right. It didn't work out. I, yeah. I think we honestly think we all forgot about it until it just kind of happened. Yeah. But like it was one that I wanted to cover on this show because it is such a yeah, it's crime. a very evil dead. Yeah, well, given the fact in a good way, in yeah, <laughs> in all, given the fact that yeah, that it is um, you know, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Yeah, sorry, I just saw a squirrel moment there. Um, I thought yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, it worked out for the best. I I like I said, I would have loved to have seen what Derrickson had done with Multiverse of Madness, but. Well, it's kind of a bummer, too, if you think about it, because it's like, so, uh, the Multiverse of Madness was really good. I enjoyed it very much. Mm -hmm. I think I went and saw it twice, which I don't normally see twice. I think it was just Mm -hmm. because I, it ended up that way. Um, And I, I like the story that we got, and I get that it propels the direction in which that is going but i really like like i like when you said the nightmare and the nightmare realm and all that kind of stuff that sounds way cooler in my opinion and as much as i i like the cinematic universe and how well it's being you know it's wove and all that kind of stuff like that's the one thing that sure is would that have been a better story could have been but it doesn't fit into that. And it just, it's the one thing I hate about shared universes is like, you may not get the story that you want or need. They'll give you a good one, but like, well, that's, I would, I would put it as you may not get the one you want, but you get the one you need because it's the one that you need for everything else. Yeah. Work. Yeah. No, and, and I it, agree with yeah, that. It's tough. It's, it's the DC Marvel argument is DC. While they can't seem to get their shit together for more than two movies in a row. They are more, independent of each other yeah and that's a good thing if you want unique stories but it's a bad thing if you want a connected universe which is why their connected universes uh, doesn't exist well do you see that hamada's on his way out and mm -hmm. they got a new person coming in and they have a new person that's supposed to be leading the yeah it's justin lynn or something like that yeah well we'll see how that goes um i i hope it it goes well because that that's more my bag and and I, (laughs) i i just want something good um so the black phones uh, officially announced in October with child actors, Mason and Madeline set to star. Um, Tame said his audition took place over zoom after the COVID pandemic began. It was quite weird. And we had a, uh, and we had bad Wi-Fi. I'd say a line and it would take a few seconds for them to say something back. It got a bit awkward. Eventually I got a call back. Uh, so uh, that would be a really bad way to interview. You're just like, yeah. I can't tell if I'm doing good. Um, in early 2021, Davies and Ethan Hawke um, and James Ransom were added to the cast. Hawke said he was initially hesitant on playing the villain 
because he did not want to be remembered for a scary performance for the rest of his career. Too fucking bad. That's what happens when you're a good actor. You get remembered well, for the ones you stand out in, and it's hard not to stand out in this. I'm surprised he said that because you're Ethan Hawke. <laughs> like you're going to be remembered for a, a lot. lot of stuff because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're great and are seem to be just getting better. It's like Kevin Bacon. Like, oh yeah, I always like Kevin Bacon, but the last couple things he's done, like X Men First Class, They Them. Yeah, like, he was like, actually really good in They awesome. Them. He was yeah. actually really good in that. Yeah, I. It, it's weird how that works. Or like you really are getting better with age (laughs) like and it's the days of you're going to be remembered as one thing i think are kind of over yeah like yeah robert Downey jr will always be iron man but he's also done a billion other things that are awesome right um yeah i mean if he's not careful he's gonna soon be remembered as the dad of maya hawk if she keeps being in everything (laughs) that she you know what i mean (laughs) like that's uh that's uh, working out pretty well for that family. Um, but changed his mind after realizing he was in his fifties. <laughs> villains, <laughs> may, he said, villains, may, uh, villains might be my future. He added, he was keep it fucking night. going, man. Uh, the film was shot on a sixteen to eighteen million dollar budget. It, uh, pr- uh, principal photography began February 9th, twenty twenty one, and concluded in March twenty seventh. Um. For the uh, uh, construction of the film, Derrickson was inspired by the film The 400 Blows from 1959, The Devil's Backbone in 2001, Rosemary's Baby in 1968, and the the novel A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. The marketing campaign from Universal Pictures for the Black Phone began with the release of the trailer on August 25th, 2021 at CinemaCon. Variety said the film looks scarier than the COVID-19 Delta variant. Come on now. Too soon. soon. You can't say that in the middle of it. God. Um, And called it the next possible franchise for uh, Universal and Blumhouse. Screen Rant described the reactions to the trailer um, at CinemaCon as intense. The film's poster was released on um, a month later, September 25th. Screen Rant found it to be terrifying and said it would be interesting to see if the film lives up to the hype. Collider said the mask in the poster invoked Lon Chaney's character from London After Midnight in 1927. Movie Web said the poster would be behind your eyelids as you fall asleep tonight. We won't be able to see Ethan Hawke again without thinking of him as the terrifying and twisted grabber. Okay, it's happening. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the same thing I thought when I was reading. I was like, oh, no, buddy. Um, I've I've heard tell of his no villains rule, but clearly he's thrown that out the window. Uh, the trailer was released online on October 13, 2021. It was described by Vulture as Stranger Danger PSA. Um, mm-hmm. The AV Club said it looked like Hawk was having a bad as hell Pennywise meets Wonka child killer. Oh, having a ball nice. as, sorry. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> um, so we already covered that. The Black Phone was released for uh, VOD on July 14th which is the day that I bought it um, and was made available through streaming a month later on Peacock. Which is where I watched it. (laughs) Very nice. Um, As of August 25th, two days ago, the black phone has grossed 88.9 million in the United States and Canada and 67.8 in other territories for uh, a worldwide total of 156.7. 
The black phone was released alongside Elvis and was projected to gross 15 to 20 million from the 3150 uh, theaters um, in its opening weekend. The film made 10.2 million on its first day, including 3 million from Thursday night previews. It went on to make 23.6 in its first three days, finishing fourth at the box office and at an additional 12.5 from 45 international markets for a 35.8 million global debut. Women made up 51% of the audience during its opening with those in the age range of 18 to 34, which was its um, target audience. Uh, yeah, compr- <laughs> <laughs> compromising 64 uh, comprising, sorry, 64% of the ticket sales and those below 25, 53%. The film then made 14.2 million over the four day um, Independence Day weekend, finishing fifth. So um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 82% out of 249 reviews uh, with an average rating of 7.10. Metacritic gave it a 65 out of 100 based on 35. CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of B plus on an A plus to F scale, while PostTalk gave the film an 86% overall uh, positive score with 67% saying they would definitely recommend it. Count me in that. I definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen this yeah. movie and you're still listening, you you got to stop, pause us, come back to us when you're done. You'll. I used to do this back on your first podcast. When I hadn't seen a movie, I would pause it and come back later because mm-hmm. if you like you're listening to it and you're like, okay, cool. That sounds cool. But you're not connecting to anything. So pause it, come back when you watch. And you don't want to ruin stuff for yourself. I mean, there's not a lot of surprise. And I think we've pretty much spoiled all the big surprises of this movie already. True. True. But it's just, it's an experience. I mean, even when I listen to podcasts and it's a movie I haven't seen, Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps because I, I do this, you know, quote unquote for a living. So it's not as big a shock to me, but right. It, it's always nicer to go in as blind as you can to something. I agree. So, um, so far accolades uh, for the year 2022, the Hollywood Critics Association Mid-Season Film Awards, it was nominated for Best Horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Saturn Awards, and these are all pending, so we don't know when it'll happen, but it was nominated for Best Horror Film. Ethan Hawke was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Film. Hope so. uh, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill were nominated for Best Writing. And then uh, Madeline McGraw and Mason Thames were both nominated for Best Younger Actor in a Film. So, I mean, you have both leads being nominated for the same thing. That's that's impressive in my eyes. So in June of 2022, Derrickson said that while Hill was protective of his story, the author had pitched him a wonderful idea, uh, a wonderful idea for a sequel that he was open to directing if the fir- first film was a success. In yeah, August, was, so we'll see. in August, Derrickson and Hill confirmed that there were discussions with the studio to make a sequel. Derrickson mm-hmm. referred to the financial success of the Black Phone as one of the catalysts for the f- uh, develop- uh, for the development of the project. Hill said his inspiration to writing the sequel was based off of the iconic imagery of the uh, Grabber's masks, which I fucking love. They're so good. It reminds me a lot of the character whose name I don't remember that the Joker was based off of. Lon Chaney. Was it? I thought it was the man who the man who laughs. That's what it was. Um, I'll look it up on my phone while you talk, though. 
but it just it it's so jokery and given that the mask is kind of pale black and white esque mm-hmm. and i've seen that image i didn't i forgot i know that's what you kind of mentioned earlier but i don't remember it being lon cheney but it might not be lon cheney i'm looking it up right now yeah but it like it's it just gave me those vibes without being like oh he's being the joker it's no it was just it's so creepy and that rigor mortis see you know for rick to smile is amazing i'm i'm, I'm surprised that they like i want to see a sequel because it's so good but like he died yeah i'm curious friday to see. the 13th so i would be surprised to see them do a sequel as much as i want to see one. so it's um the man who laughs is his name is conrad uh vate vite um but that's yeah yeah, yeah. and so that's yeah, the, yeah that's his, creepy yeah <laughs> makes me want to watch it yeah i know i always forget about him yep that'll do it yeah <laughs> we should I'll get you there i'll see if i can find it yeah. oh dude yeah, that I gotta find. I gotta find this movie and watch. Oh my God, they compared him to David <laughs> Bowie. David yeah, Bowie has that. a David Bowie <laughs> has a real fucking Hannibal Lecter look on there, doesn't he? Yeah, that's frightening. Could the you imagine? Not help. No, could you imagine if? Well, he kind of looks like um, fucking Richard Brake in um, Batman Begins when he plays oh. uh, Napier or whatever. Um, the Joker is. Begins. It's uh, which Batman one is is it? Yeah, there's no Joker character in Batman Begins. Well, no, but who's the who's the the, the guy uh, the one where uh, Bale takes the gun in because he's going to shoot the guy on his way out? Am I thinking of something different? I don't know, but the guy that plays the young Jack, it, I get what you're saying, but yeah, that's the guy that plays the young uh, Jack Nicholson in uh, Batman '89. Okay, I'm getting my Batman's confused. Confused. Very much. Watch your mouth. One of the best ones with one of the worst ones. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so um, a few more things before we get into the movie itself. Um, let's see. We already talked about the cast. It doesn't look like there's a oh, there's a tagline. Never talk to strangers. True story. Uh, <laughs> a few fun facts before we get into it. Um, so. The black and white film with the red blood that uh, Finney is watching on TV mm. is uh, The Tingler from 1959. Okay. I was hoping you'd have that in your notes because I was like, what movie is that? I've yeah, because never... he's a... I'm like, yeah, yeah well, sure. It looked cool, but I've never... It didn't... So uh, get a kick out of this one. The grabber dons several creepy masks throughout the film, each exposing different portions of his uh, face. They were designed by legendary prosthetic makeup artist, Tom Savini. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Mason Thames. Yeah, we do. There's okay, autograph yeah. picture right here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Mason Thames said the, that the first time he saw the mask coupled with Ethan Hawke's bone chilling performance, he was terrified. Absolutely. Plus he's mm-hmm. hulking in this movie. He's just sitting in the chair. Just like, yeah. When I like, showed him with the shirt off, I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit much. But then you actually see it. And it's like, damn, he, he got jacked for this. Yeah. He's a, he, or he was already jacked. Just cause. probably, he's probably just, he, he looks like he takes care of himself. Good yeah. for you, bud. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was delayed from its initial January, 2022 release to June due to unexpectedly great, preview showings um it doesn't make sense, what, but okay. yeah once Bl- uh, blumhouse realized just how great early reactions were 
they gave it a summer release date. So I oh, think it a wider audience. Yeah. Um, so Madeline like it did so well that we decided to hold off on releasing. <laughs> like huh? we'll push it back. <laughs> um, so Madeline McGraw was originally unable to appear in the film as the original shooting schedule clashed, uh, clashed with her show secrets of sulfur Springs. Scott Derrickson was so impressed with her, however, that he pushed back the production date to accommodate her casting. And I'm glad oh, yes. he did. Cause she was amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the paperboy is a reference to Johnny Ghosh, a paperboy from Iowa who was on a route with his dog Gretchen and disappeared. His dog was uh, found later, but Johnny's disappearance remains unsolved to this day. Um, the line running through the wall of the basement was the phone uh, from the phone is a reference to the poster from Sinister from the same director. I didn't know sense. he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, the also, grabber- you can talk. <laughs> The grabber, I have, so the whoever played, I have that guy's autograph. I just, I've never seen it. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Um, the grabber wears a stovepipe hat and, a, and abducts a child um, walking home from a baseball game, very much like Rose the Hat in Dr. Sleep, written by Joe Hill's father, mm-hmm. Stephen King. Yeah. Um, the grab and go in the movie is called Ellison, which is the name of Ethan Hawke's character in Sinister. Oh. Um. Oh, here we go. So, and this was, um, so during the breakfast scene, and I, I wanted to touch on this because it's like, I was thinking about this when we were talking about how dysfunctional this family is and like how mm-hmm. they just nailed that whole vibe. Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm like, if Rob Zombie <laughs> could have done half of this in the beginning of what, how, could you imagine taking Rob Zombie's Halloween story and having this guy direct it? Yeah. And write it? Right. Like, well, I mean, Derrickson's great. Like, I've seen Sinister, obviously. I'm a Doctor Strange booster. Like, he's just awesome. This felt very much Derrickson. Like, I got major Sinister vibes from this. Mm-hmm. Almost to its detriment, but... I really need yeah. to watch that now. It's good. It's very good and super creepy. But, um, the... Yeah, I mean, the, that breakfast scene, you immediately get what's going on. Mm-hmm. When she bangs down the thing and she's like she freezes she's like dad's hung over <laughs> yeah and he could fly off the handle at any second mm-hmm. and it's you you get it and it's just fantastic yep i agree completely um so during the breakfast scene when finney and gwen are trying not to make noise in front of terrence he mentions the town of boulder when discussing how they were making so much noise that they could hear it there boulder is the town in Stephen King's The Shining where the ter- uh, Torrance family lives before moving to the Overlook Hotel for the winter. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a, a King highlight reel. <laughs> um, Derrickson hope, uh, Derrickson's hope with the film was to make a, movie, a scary movie about dark subjects that was still inspiring, that still had a loving point of view to it. Fair enough. Um, Derrickson says the axe to the head was a very difficult special effect to do. He adds that he looked at the whole history of cinema and there just aren't many real shots of an axe going into a head on camera. Um, they pull it off with a combination of both practical and visual effects. Yeah, it, it, it was yeah, it was really good. You could see it coming from a mile away, but it worked. <laughs> Um, executive producer Jason Blum from the House of Blum sent Derrickson a black phone and a display case after reading the script and giving him the film, uh, giving the film a green light. 
Derrickson moved into a new house in August of 2021. His previous home burnt down in 2018 and Blum secretly had a black phone mounted on the wall of the, of the new house's basement. (laughs) I was just sitting in my living room and I hear a phone ring in the basement and I was like, Oh my God. He discovered that Blum had sent it, uh, had set it to speed dial his cell phone whenever it was lifted from the cradle. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, so rather than fetish, fetishize, fetishize the clothes and general look of the decade through, um, a nostalgic lens, Derrickson's goal was to complete the feel, um, complete the feel the way the late 80, uh, late seventies felt to him as a kid. He succeeds at least to this other, at least to this other child of the seventies, um, whoever wrote this. Um, and it's arguably one of the film's greatest strengths. I love the way the movie looks. It doesn't. Yeah. Like uh, the soundtrack's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's like there's 45 different ones of these. Yeah, um, keep, keep so yeah, okay, I can keep going. That's fine. Um, no, Derrickson included a scene from The Tingler because it's a direct memory of seeing the film as a kid and being truly freaked out. That was the beginning of uh, the horror director in me, I suppose. But, I want to start talking about the movie. Are you sure? I mean, Derrickson believes in ghosts because millions of people claim to have seen them and he trusts that as evidence. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, If you want to read more, because there's uh, plenty, IMDb has all of them for you. Mm All righty. So um, let me pull up my notes here. So uh, movie starts off with them playing baseball. And um, yeah, I, I mean it's a completely blanking on here because I, yeah. I kind of skipped the baseball scene. And I I went to the Rockets because mm. when I was a There's kid, my, to really talk about. Yeah, my uncle and I used to build rockets and then shoot them off in parks like that, and so mm-hmm. it was kind of like a nostalgia. Just a lot of nostalgia in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, um, my favorite thing about that is though is like it leads like really quickly into the first abduction. Um, with Bruce, you know, kind of riding that high of winning the baseball game, hitting the home run, and And passes the chicks who like give him looking at him like, Oh, shit. right. And then you see the van, and I like that it only shows Finney's the only one you see abducted, Mm -hmm. everybody else, yeah, fades to black, like quick. And it's kind of distorted and out of focus. mm -hmm. That was really, you don't really see him. Mm-hmm. Until you're like in the house, because yeah. even when Finn's abducted, it's from the back. You don't really see his face. Well, you you. So I mean, he, until when he, he closes the the thing. Well, I mean, when That's he when Finney gets abducted, you see his face. He's just wearing the hat. I think he has glasses on, but like you can clearly tell that it's Ethan Hawke. It looks like he yeah. has like grayish face paint on, or like mm-hmm. maybe too much sunscreen. I don't yeah. know, but. It's almost like his face is painted the same color as the masks. That'd be my guess, because like he has sort of a Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers reaction to getting the mask taken off at the end. Yeah, he does. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's his kind of way of being in character, I guess, yeah. or you know, being in the mindset of abducting and killing little boys. Right. Well, one of my favorite things about that, too, was that like each way he wears the mask with the different bottoms or if he doesn't have the top part on it's a different character or different version so like when you can see his eyes and all that kind of stuff he's like 
nicer like he seems almost mm-hmm. scared but not like oh. yeah it is I'm, real I, I love the different facets of what what he is when he's in the different ones and like when he has the frowny face because he's upset with or mad he's and he's done, just in, it's very scary yeah it's great even though the smiley face is probably the scariest oh dude what was it i like it's, it's tough like it's the smiley face is creepy but I would almost say like the frowny faces and one, those are almost scarier because it's like, you know, he's upset. Yeah. And that kind of person upset is dangerous. It really is. Like You're the like, idea oh, of him fuck. smiling, it's like, oh, he's like, it's, it's sick and twisted, but he's just screwing with him. Like he's having fun with him. Mm-hmm. But when he's mad, it's like, so what's this guy do when he's mad? I don't like suck. hearing about uh, the, the naughty game or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, so what is that? What I, and we uh, never really get an answer to that question, mm-hmm. but it's nothing good. Yeah. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I, I was going to like actually wait for you. I wasn't sure. Um, so I I know like I follow a bunch of creative types on uh, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. And I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody made replica versions of that mask with all the different parts and i really wish that i, I remembered who that was because i would almost spend money to buy him it was yeah. really cool um but so when bruce gets taken i really like how you know it it's really grainy it fades mm-hmm. into the credits which is equally disturbing yeah it, it gave me american horror story vibes without mm-hmm. the windy horrible mm-hmm. music the American yep. Horror Story has. Yeah, it has a little Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, which and like and I love that they because I have that on there too. I like how they reference Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is like mm-hmm. okay, if they're seeing it in the drive-in, this is um, either you know anytime between 1974 to 19 whatever. Like I mean, it, it's definitely <laughs> late 70s. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the credits are, I really like the way they do the credits. You know, we get the dose of the alcoholic dad. We already talked about that. Um, I, you get your first glimpse of Robin when he's beating the shit out of a big ass bully named Moose, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. And I was like, okay, you know, deal with it. Um, And then after like the whole scene and they're like um, Gwen and uh, Finney are walking away and they're talking about the grabber and they talk about him almost like it's an urban legend because they're like, oh, if you say his name out loud, he'll get you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, oh, man, that's. Eesh. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's that's kind of what you would do as a kid Mm -hmm. of kind. I mean, especially if that's actually happening and kids are literally disappearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might not necessarily know that there is such a thing as a grabber, but even like the black balloons and when um, she mentions them in her about her dream to the kids and the cops go, how do you know about that? Yeah, because that is a thing. And we even see him when he uh, kidnaps Finney and he releases the balloons under the air. It's like his wacky calling card to set, you know, set a flare up in the air and be like, I got another one. Yeah. Balloons, so you're not going to trace it to shit <laughs> yeah like what like um so we get the texas chainsaw massacre by um reference i which i you know was super excited about and even the enter the dragon reference like i love bruce yeah. lee movies i love old kung fu and i thought that was great because like even as a kid 
I would have picked Enter the Dragon over Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though there's a poster of it behind my wall, and obviously there's no Bruce Lee in here. But mm-hmm. um, I, the funny, so you, we, like another uh, funny part is when you get Gwen into, she gets called into the principal's office, and you know she's talking with the cops, and she's, I, I my note was I called her Sailor Gwen because that girl's got a mouth on her. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> got a very vulgar mouth on her, and it's hilarious. Well, when um, you have a dad like that, that's bound to make you a little defensive. Potentially, you yeah. Pick up some words that you probably shouldn't know when you're that young. Yeah, no, you definitely shouldn't know that. But I mean, even still, like that would be the obvious place to go with that. But you, ne- you never hear him swearing. Finny doesn't talk like that. Like she's just more of a badass and more assertive than yeah. both of them. Yeah, really. when she charges in when he's getting his ass kicked, beats like, that oh, kid damn. over the head with a rock. So yeah. you cocksucking cowards pop. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's go Gwen. <laughs> Fuck. And then she gets kicked in the face by that p- redheaded pussy. God, I was <laughs> like, you're shit. a fucking bitch. But yeah, that whole, <laughs> that whole scene was great because it, it sucked. Because... The redhead kid, not her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, not, I mean the, the, the whole part of that really sucked because, you know, um, oh no. I, I jumped ahead because um, I was going to say the only reason why that scene happened is because uh, Robin was captured. But um, yeah. I wanted the, th- the notes that I wrote down, um, you know, you kind of felt bad for I, I felt bad for them because not only, you know, their dad's abusive, but she's like, hey, it's Friday. I'm staying at mm-hmm. Susie's house like I seem to do every Friday. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll watch after dad. And it's like mm-hmm. these kids obviously shouldn't have to do that. It definitely adds, you know, it adds well, to the sense of maturity when you that live they in that kind of situation. You create, you know, routines. You figure out you have a system mm-hmm. of like this is what you have to do to get through that night, mm-hmm. and it's it's fucking horrible. I agree. It's it's the thing with this movie. It's like it. I'm kind of tired of it from a Stephen King standpoint because they do it a lot, but they do it well in this. Mm-hmm. of the, the bullies and the alcoholic dad and all that stuff like it's it's the king tropes i'm tired of but they at least do it well and efficiently in this movie yeah i agree I'm glad. but what i was saying before you interrupted me again was that the <laughs> that's that's why i stopped and smiled at you i'm like know. i get it i'm hey i I only say I say that in a loving way because I too <laughs> am an interrupter. You ask anybody and they'll tell you. Um, but <laughs> but it's adds adds to a sense of maturity that these kids both pull off very well because it's like most kids when they're that young, they're having fun fun with friends and they're mm-hmm. you know they they the kids do such a good job of portraying that weight of what it's like to be in that situation and you know having to raise your dad is mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a shitty situation to be in um and then we get the slow-mo scene of the grabber getting out of his van um to uh grab robin which was pretty cinematic in the way that he steps out of the van and then yeah. is like looks like he has a cape or so yeah. i'm assuming it's a cape because he's a magician or says yeah. he is and so it's like that scene was like the black and the red, but it's blurry. And it's like, oh, okay, that's really that's cool. cool. I did think that the magician thing was going to actually come into play more. Mm-hmm. Like his shtick or his day job 
or something, but it really wasn't. It was just kind of, I guess it's his way to lure kids. Yeah. Because, like, what kid doesn't want to see a magic trick? Like, that's fucking mm-hmm. especially in the 70s. Like, oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah. But, no, I, yeah. I'm with you on that one because, I, I like, I'm glad that they left it at that because there again, you know, if they would have been like, oh, hey, this is Al and he works, you know, at a buy mart, like, okay, yeah. you know, the mystique is kind of gone. And yeah. so I'm definitely glad that they left that as ambiguous as they did because it um it is definitely scary mm-hmm. um so we get and this this scene right here is what gave me the shining vibes the most and not just because it's the overhead shot of searching for robin and then like the overhead shot when they're like flying over the lake going to you know over the hotel mm-hmm. but like it you know the music like the the score in this movie really 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 amplified so much of what we saw that it was, I don't know. I find myself listening to the, the music a lot, watching some of these movies, especially if I've already seen them. And I'm just like, wow, man, that really set up a, a really unsettling vibe. When Well, that, you know, I mean, we've talked about it before. A score can make or break a movie. And when, you know, when it's good, you either don't notice it because it, helps the scene so much and blends in and you just get swept up in it or it's so good that it stands out like a jaws or a star wars or whatever where it's so cinematic and great it's like that's one of the greatest things about the movie and gets played in concerts for the next several decades yeah um and then after that we get the um, we get the the bullies um go to attack finney because rob and his protectors missing Mm -hmm. um it's it's one thing that like I I say it every time it comes up and how much I hate bullies but oh man this this one really got to me more so just because of the fact that like it's one thing to get bullied but it's another one to get ganged up on by three boys yeah, your size or bigger and it's like you know Gwen said it best you know cocksucking cowards yeah you know? well it makes me really wonder like it was. Joe Hill's or even Stephen King's childhood like this because it happens a lot in their stories. And like, I don't, we didn't really have boys when I was a kid. Maybe I just got lucky and was in a decent school where that shit didn't happen, but I didn't yeah. hear about kids getting their asses whooped the way they do in Stephen King stories or <laughs> Joe Hill. Yeah. I mean, it, it, depending like what Stephen King's from Maine, I can't I imagine. So. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, he's, I know that's where he's at, but I don't know if, that's where he's from from most of his shit takes place there also, Mm -hmm. even though it's either there or like these in Colorado. But the thing with that is like, I had bullies, but they're always like verbal bullies. Like I never got beat. Yeah. I never got beat up. I mean, I got punched in the face a couple of times in high school by the same guy, Sure. which was always like, I always, I always think about that too. Cause I'm just like standing there and this kid punches me. And I was, what are you Quite doing? Nice. Like, stop. And then the bell rings and then hurt. it happened again. And he just punched me in the face. I'm just standing there looking at him and I'm not a fighter. I mean, I've always been a little bit bigger, but I was like, I didn't get fat till after high school, but I was just like, like, why you pick on me? Is it cause I'm a foot taller than you? You feel like you gotta punch me in the face. Like, like god damn i'm not i'm not the big guy on the block here there's plenty of kids bigger than me um so then he gets captured which is a, a really disturbing scene 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you get the you know the whole basement and what all that sets up and um i won't go scene by scene here like with everything but like just the different versions of the mass we talked about he's getting phone calls from each of the each of the kids that were kidnapped um they don't remember who they are but you know i not to interrupt you for a billionth time but like i like the fact that it spent the first hour or not hour but like half hour and change setting up finney and Mm -hmm. his world and all the kids getting captured and it's like it's not until like the tail hour or so of the movie that he's in the basement. Yeah. Like it really helps you connect to him so that when it happens to him and you know it's going to happen to him because it kind of has to because that's what the movie's teeing up for you. Yeah. You care. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and like I said that the emotional connection that um he has with Robin which is kind of weird because it's like sure he tutors him and mm-hmm. then Robin teaches him how to fight once he dies yeah. and like stuff like that. Well, like he comes it's... to his rescue in the bathroom because the, the kids are about to gang up on him. And Robin's like, really want to try it right now after yeah. I just beat up like the biggest kid in school. Yeah. He's like, man, you know, Moose has got some sharp teeth yeah. as he's fucking scrubbing the blood nice off touch. his hands. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Wonder um, what your teeth feel like. <laughs> we'll find out here in a minute. Um, so, you know, he gets the first phone call. It's Bruce. He doesn't remember who he is. None of the kids remember who they are. But like he, you know, like the longer it's been since they've died, mm-hmm. the less they can remember of who they were. That was yep. frightening and good touch. Yeah. But then to be like, you know, he kept saying like your arm is mint and he was mm-hmm. talking about these things. So he's like each time he gets a call from a different kid, he, you know, from what they say, he, he is able to piece together who they are. And I think it is a nice touch because he does. He talks to Bruce. He talks to Robin. He talks to the tough guy kid. I forgot his name. He talks to the paper mm-hmm. boy. Yep. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. Um, but each one of them offers help in one way or another. I don't, yeah. you know, not so and much. It's not all useful, but it's all like, this is what I tried. And this is how close I got. Maybe if you try it again, you'll have mm-hmm. better luck than me or you know, when they give him the heads up on the naughty boy game. Yep. Or the, the combination on the, the wall or, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the storeroom on the other side of the wall and just yeah. all the stuff that he's able to piece together. And the fact that he like, so the whole naughty boy thing, um, as we had said, is a game where uh, the grabber leaves the door open just enough like where it seems like he did it on accident. And, you know, generally when you're a captive, I would assume if you see a means to escape, you're going to try to take that. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is he like, he's about to, you know, go to the door and then the phone rings and he's like, they're like, don't do it. You know, the don't go up the stairs. Like he wants you to go upstairs and this and that. And it's like, man, those phone calls are invaluable <laughs> to, yeah. to his escape. Yeah, I was a little afraid it was going to overdo it and kind of take out some of the tension and sort of be like, you know, he's he's almost being handed the win here. But they mm-hmm. did it in a way that where it was just it, it actually helped ramp up the tension because when he does kind of go up the stairs and then they show Ethan Hawke and his angry mask sitting there waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. that's, that was a disturbing image. And yeah, he's just sitting there. Yeah. Does not know what's going to happen if he actually goes up there. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, Gwen has dreams. Um, and this is 
she finally has a dream of, of uh, Finney. So that was a, a part, like part of contention of the relationship between her and her dad is that, you know, she was telling them that she was having dreams. And so the cops went to his work to talk to, you know, mm-hmm. her dad. And that's what sparked the whole beating the shit out of in the kitchen. She breaks the vodka. He beats her some more, mm-hmm. you know, and like, He's like, they're just dreams. Tell me they're just dreams. He's like, you're not psychic like your mom is, this and that. Like, they're just dreams. Um, and she's ha- like, she then has that dream where, you know, Finney's been ad- abducted and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, that would be fucking horrific to wake up to a dream. And it's yeah. like, oh, you just had the one of your brother. Like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Um, well, and it's nice that the dad kind of has that moment of, well, now that your brother's gone and your dreams could help us actually find him, he like reluctantly lets her dive into it and like embrace it a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's a nice moment for the dad to eat some crow and be like, okay, I've been a piece of shit and mm-hmm. now we can use this to actually get your brother back. And yeah. Yeah. It, it gives him a little redemption, but like I said, just a little redemption. No, <laughs> no doing. Um, so this is, you know, we start to get all the attempts to get out. Like he, there's a roll of carpet that's, you know, taped up uh, near the bathroom and he puts that up against there. And then I'm thinking to myself, I was like, when he starts to feed the rope up through there mm-hmm. and I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. And then when it actually worked, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> um, but given yeah, the fa- that shouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah. But given the fact that, you know, a ghost lifted a bottle up to an upright position. That's true. Uh, maybe you got a little bit of help there. Yeah, I didn't think about that. When I saw it kind of twirl, I was like, okay. Okay, stop it. <laughs> um, but that's a good point I didn't think of. Is, yeah, the ghost can like hurl bottles, so they could twist a rope. Right. And so when he uh, is trying to climb up and out, the fact that it fucking, like he rips the grate out of the wall and it falls mm-hmm. on his head. And I think like, that oh my god just taking a great to the head like that would suck so bad um what surprised me is ethan hawk never hearing that i mean it sounded like he oh, went off to, like work and shit oh that's true yeah, yeah soundproof you'd hear basement. It from the outside of the house though maybe like that it opened up a hole and i mean i don't care like it's fine <laughs> but it, it made no. like he made a lot of fucking noise in that basement and i was like how do you not hear any of that yeah, well, that's what he says. Like, I mean, I I doubt that the glass is soundproof, so maybe yeah. there'd be a little bit going out that. But, but well, I guess I mean she didn't. They kind of show that outside shot going through the window to and seeing him yelling for help, and you can't really hear it. So right. I well, guess. and at the same time with that, like when they're going to the house, like it seems to be kind of towards the end of a street. There isn't a whole lot around, mm-hmm. as on on that house at least. Um, if you think about it, though, if you were to drop, I mean, granted, your your floors are carpeted, so it's not like a clang clang. But like how much of that would actually of that sound would actually get outside? Probably not a lot, um, mm. especially since it landed on his head first. Sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But so the thing is, is uh then we get we get max the introduction of max and he's upstairs and you know he's all coked out go figure and the the he's trying to solve the case himself unbeknownst to him that his brother's the one doing it in the house that he is at 
or across the street from or I whatever. Did like, yeah, yeah, it's the house that he's in, and like it's happening in this basement. I did like when he slowly went, "Oh shit!" Yeah, oh shit! When they're like, "Hey, you the might calls clean. are coming from inside the house." <laughs> you might want to clean up before your brother gets home. There's a few rails residues left on the table, yeah. and it's like, "Oh my god!" Um, you know, we get the escape attempt, and th- this part's really brutal because, like, even though the like when you the grabber takes him, and uh, you know that's a brutal scene. He's generally pretty calm talks to him pretty normal like mm-hmm. he's not aside from like being like you know i should snap your neck for what you did and mm-hmm. all that like you get that snap when he's laying when he captures him outside and he's laying on the ground with him he's holding a knife to his neck and he's like you know you scream i'll fucking gut you and choke you out with your intestines it's like fuck dude okay <laughs> oh. yeah <laughs> okay okay you know so you know that that uh, is a failed escape attempt um mm-hmm. But then he gets the phone call from Robin and it worked like that emotional connection worked for me. Cause when he's talking, he's yeah. like, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm surprised of how much it did connect too, given the fact that like you only get a couple scenes with that kid yeah. and them together. And like, it, it really did work. And, you know, he's like, you know, I, it's too late for me, but we're going to make sure you get out and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. this is your last call. It's up to you. You know, we built you up. Now it's time for you to, you know, stand up for yourself. I, and I then, found that line to be a touch corny. Sure. Of like, this is your last call, man. It's on but, you. It's like, okay, this is a little like I, 80s. It, did, <laughs> it that didn't bother me. I had no yeah. problem with him being like, you know, because he's been getting these phone calls for yeah. a while now. And they're like, he's like, this is going to be the last call. He's like, the rest is up to you. Like he's, he has no more help. He's like, they could, yeah. you know, you can only do so much. And he, as it's been teed up, he's going to have to stand up for himself at some point. And boy, does he in a big way, uh, you know, Max finds the room, gets the ax to the head because he's like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Dude? And he's yeah. like, you know, I almost thought that he, he was going to kill Max that the boy was going to kill him oh. and it was going to be like, he killed him on accident and then Ethan Hawke comes back. But I like that. It was like, he realizes that he's not the guy mm-hmm. and he starts to ask for help. And then he get the shining moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. Um, so the, the end of the movie, like I love the part where, you know, he takes the dog down there. Um, Cause mm-hmm. that dog is gorgeous and scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and he you know we, we we glossed over quite a bit but we all like sure. there's some we'll stuff to be seen movie, yeah watch they like, get get the finer details of like where uh finney gets the piece of meat to give the dog and the yeah. escape like, like watch the movie find out how that happens yeah, um awesome. but like the I'm whole thing if i go to the store today i'm gonna go buy it <laughs> <laughs> when he goes um you know he swings at him and then misses and then Finney runs over to where, um, towards the bathroom area where, you know, he had dug a hole, mm-hmm. you know, he, he home alone, the basement. And yeah. um, when, <laughs> Oh God, that scene when fucking Ethan Hawk runs after him, falls into the hole, you know, unsuspecting, but the grate is down there at an angle and it snaps mm-hmm. his fucking ankle. And I'm like, Love Oh, that. Oh no, that would hurt so bad. <laughs> and, and then what fucking Finney just proceeds to beat the fuck out of him with the, yeah. with the weighted down receiver, which I was like, yes, get it. Uh, 
I think the the slickest part is when he does like like the barrel roll flip over him and then yeah. catches his neck with the fucking cord. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude. And he then was... it's like he has you can kind of see him having the idea of like, oh, this is how I can kill him. And then he tightens it. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like he went from not being able to defend himself to Jason Bourne. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, that's what... They did it in a way where it wasn't like, oh, now he's just a superhero. Yeah. You know, it was <laughs> fair. Like the, the tuck and roll was a bit much, but it was still believable because he's a little kid. Like he's spry and can leap and shit. Well, and yet, like but... maybe he didn't mean, like, I mean, it's possible that, yeah. like, I doubt that he, like, tried he to do that. Yeah, like, he was like super. Yeah, that and that's what I'm saying. Like he didn't like superhero landing. He just <laughs> like kind of happened upon the idea of the cord getting around his neck. And, and he's he was, like, oh, oh, now I can hold it. And then the that phone was call. a really nice touch. Yeah, and then the phone call, and then you know all the kids for you. Yeah, I'm like, yes, dude. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, that arm is mitt. <laughs> Snaps his neck. I was like, all right, there we go. And then you get the the safety reveal after that. You know, he runs outside, and then then you find out he's across the street. And it's like, oh my god, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But I was like, oh, what a twist! Because this guy owns two houses in the '70s, so he must have been a very successful magician. I mean, he did have a van with a logo. So, I mean, that's all you need. I mean, that this is one of our longer episodes. We've rambled. Uh, isn't it funny, dude? It's a minute and 12, uh, uh, an hour and 12 minutes. And we're like, God, this episode was long. <laughs> Far from average. our. De- well, no, it's a departure from our recent episodes. Most of them have been an Ooh. hour or less. But yeah, that's it. That's a black phone. If you haven't seen it again, what are you doing? I mean, I granted, like, we literally just watched it. I did anyway. Yeah, but I was saving it on purpose for this. You, like, I yeah, wanted to watch it early, were... but I was like, eh, "Oops, I want it to be more of a reveal." But I loved it. Like I said, if I go to the store today, like I plan to, I think I might pull the trigger and buy it. Yeah, because it was just so freaking good, and I kind of want to watch it again. Well, and that was and the it's thing... not overly gruesome. Uh-huh. Like you watch the trailers and go, "Ooh, that's gonna be fucking gross," but it's not. Yeah, it's, you could watch it. I mean, don't watch with your kids, but you could watch it with someone who's not big on horror. Mm-hmm. My wife loved this out. movie. She's like, yeah. that was really good. I mean, yeah. loved is probably a strong word. Sure, but enjoyed it, tolerated it, and would watch it without saying, you're fucking gross. Yeah. Did, you, <laughs> no. did your wife watch it with you? No. Yeah, you I mean, so? we thought it was going to be kind of grody, and it was, and that's one of the first things I said when I walked up. It was like, it's it's creepy as shit, and, but it's not gross. It's not super violent and Mm -hmm. bloody like well that was one of back when we used to do our our scorecard and all that stuff towards the end of it one of the things is uh would our wives watch it Mm -hmm. um which i still think is a is a funny i always forget to do that um my wife did watch it with me she uh thoroughly enjoyed it said it was really good um it's not something that she's gonna seek out to watch but she'll watch it with me if it's on you'll have to let us know when and if your wife watches it and what she thought of it i think she'd enjoy it i think she would too but yep that's black phone um can't recommend it enough give it a watch when you do Mm -hmm. let us know what you think um it's on peacock for free or you can buy it on demand or uh, anywhere else well yeah i wasn't even right now yeah i wasn't even mad i bought it on voodoo the day uh, or so around that time when it came out Mm -hmm. and then a month later it was on it was streaming for free and maybe i didn't buy it the day it came out might have been a a couple weeks because i remember that the turnaround from watching it when i bought it to or maybe i bought it and i just didn't watch it right away um, but, anyway, but I wasn't it was in a short time and then it was free. 
Yeah, and I wasn't even mad. I was because normally I'd be like, "Fuck you guys!" Of course, it's... Well, no, like it's free now. I could watch it literally right now whenever I want, but, but I kind of want to buy it. Yeah, there might be a time where it's not free to watch, and I'll want to watch again. Yeah, but so. you know, support it so that way you know if we can get a, a a sequel. I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah, because like he died, so yeah. I don't know, or did he? But he did though. So yeah, I he think... did die. Now maybe you're, you know, you have you're they fully in the realm cool. of ghosts. That'd be cool. Ooh, we could get could the, we could that. get the actual stories of the other kids getting taken. But yeah. then and I mean, how does to say? Well, but who's to say those are the the only kids he's done? Right. And this is the first town that he did. Like, I would I mean, love to see a prequel with Ethan Hawke. As horrifying as that would be mm-hmm. of a movie to see the villain win. Like yeah, because it would have. You'd have to coming up. Yeah, you'd ha- have to win, and yeah. we don't get that enough. We don't get enough movies mm-hmm. like that, and that's the ultimate twist because it's yeah. such a, it's, it's such a jinx. thing. It's the Saw One ending. Yeah. Like, oh, he was in the bathroom the whole fucking time. Game over. Yeah. Like, Sorry, bitches. <laughs> great. I agree. Uh, All right, Justin. Let's get out of here. I got some moving shit to do. So, what are we doing next episode? Next episode, we're doing one of my new favorite uh, movies from one of my new favorite franchises. And it's a bit of a stretch on our doing the first of a franchise first, kind of, because it's a shared universe. Mm -hmm. But it's Annabelle. And honestly, I'm doing this so that next year I can do Annabelle creation, Mm because that movie is fantastic. But uh, this movie is also really good. You're grimacing like you hate it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this is like Hellraiser for you, for me. Like I, I, you know how I feel about the the uh, those movies. Um, yeah. I don't care about them as much, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same reason maybe why I, I can ha- talk you into it. Um, the same reason why I haven't been able to cover Prey yet, because technically I haven't covered a Predator movie yet. So yeah. that's uh, got not a bad way to get those doors opened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. One more month until we get to the best time of year. I mean, we're, right. we're we're knocking on September, which is right before October. It's I can't like wait. October Eve. Yeah, October's <laughs> Eve. Yeah, we got some uh, fun stuff planned for October. Can't wait to yeah. let you guys know about that. Um, mm-hmm. But until then, we hope you enjoyed your time with us. Um, if you have, like I said, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Um, if the reason why you watch is because listening to this. Uh, Awesome. Let us know. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast, um, Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore pod. You can email us at podandgore at gmail.com. We're on the slash wrap at Pod and Gore Podcast. Um, just insane amounts of ways to uh, reach out and let us know. If you haven't, rate, review, like, all that kind of stuff. Please, please. Uh, last reviewer, we haven't forgot about your request for a shark movie. We will get there. Um, yeah i mean we could do a shark movie but given the fact that we're getting into like halloween time there isn't really like it it, like sharks feel like a summer vibe you know what i mean so we'll see but anyway we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us as always um share with a friend I, i love hearing um from people saying that like hey you know this show was recommended can't say the last when the last time that happened but you know but anyways um we're gonna get out of here hope you had a good time we'll see you guys next episode with annabelle um (laughs) i'm just uh we've been your host my name is brandon my name is justin 
We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Goodbye.